0: This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. Well, just as everyone was starting to think that COVID was in some way in retreat, we now have not just a new variant, but a super variant, uh, which is being described variously as the new variant or the South African variant. James, what do we know at the moment and what implications is this going to have for the UK?
0: So we know that this new variant has been discovered in South Africa, one of the countries with impressive genomic sequencing capabilities. And... It appears to have a huge number of variations to essentially, in very crude terms, combine extra transmissibility with vaccine evasion. And that is what is worrying people. People are worried that this is going to be much more transmissible and that the vaccines will be less effective against it than the vaccines have been against most of the other variants we've seen so far. I mean, you can see the concern here from not only the fact that the UK has put South Africa and several other Southern African countries on the red list, but Sajid Javid has just told MPs that they're considering putting countries with strong travel links with South Africa on the red list in an attempt to to try and buy some time. Uh, You've seen Israel, which has has got an imported case of this, talking about going back into a state of emergency, despite how well advanced their own booster programme is. But I, I would just the, the note of cautious and, and hope, actually, that I, would, I would interject is we don't know yet whether this variant is more severe or not. And there are some people who think that maybe the fact that it is so much more transmissible is because it is less serious, that the virus has evolved in that way. So I, I, I think we won't know the answer for another couple of weeks. But I think that, you know, I think I think it is likely that we're going to see increasing travel restrictions for the next few weeks as, as the government struggles to, to work out how to deal with this. Uh, and then a kind of wait and see to see how, whether whether we're dealing with essentially a, a, a almost a new pandemic in terms of having to adapt vaccines, get people revaccinated, or whether, as some of these other variants have been in the past, they turn out on closer inspection not to be as alarming as they were at first sight.
1: Fraser, how alarmed are you and how optimistic are you about the government's preparedness for this?
2: Well, over the last couple of years, I've kind of learned to reserve judgment on this thing. It's still very early days for so much that we don't know about it. Of course, it's quite plausible this could be a new variant which not only cuts through the vaccines but cuts through previous natural immunity. In which case, it would be effectively a new pathogen, and we'd all be back to square one. You can't rule out that possibility. But similarly, we have to remember that this is the new variant N U because that's a letter in the Greek alphabet. Several steps down from all the other variants that we've had so far, of which. Delta was the last most significant one. So we've got then new means, a far better means of treating COVID patients. We haven't found any variant that makes a serious dent in natural immunity, which is held now by tens of millions of people right around the world. So I think we should neither be complacent nor panic about this, but be mindful that what we've got very good at now is taking a small amount of data and making huge extrapolations and drawing up worst-case scenarios. It's perfectly rational to do that, but similarly, we have to remember how many other variants we've had, and that the natural life cycle of a virus is that it will become more contagious but less potent over time. That tends to be how viruses die out. So, it could be, this could be good news, in an ideal situation, you get a variant which will spread immunity, but not necessarily clinical sickness. And it's the sickness that makes the big difference. We don't know anything about whether this new, new variant, literally, is more dangerous than existing variants. So I'm personally going to reserve judgment, good or bad, for another few days until we find out a lot more.
1: James, what about the potential impact or dynamics within the, the NHS? Because uh, we've got NHS leaders who've been warning that it's running hot already. And actually, that's not really due to COVID at the moment, is it?
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the points that the NHS is in such a delicate state at the moment, that even a smallish uptick in COVID cases would put it under huge pressure. And so I think that, that is one of the concerns. I, I think that what you see the government trying to do with these travel bans is basically essentially trying to buy time. And I think it's fair said that I think anyone thinks this will stop this thing. Ever getting here.
2: But it could. if it was as dangerous as people think, a travel ban might buy us a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, but a couple of weeks, given that, you know, with these MNRA vaccines, you can adapt them for the new virus very, very quickly could be very useful. So I think the question is, what are you doing there? But I think mean, there is another question here, which is, the international community, I think, now owes South Africa support. Because, I mean, there's a really dangerous precedent here, which is, you essentially say to countries like the UK does, like South Africa does, but do lots of genetic sequencing of the virus, and so are therefore more likely to find new, new, new mutations of the virus. If you then treat them like pariahs when they find it, and impose the measures that hit their economy you know and th- these measures i'm not saying they're not necessary but i'm saying given that south africa is you look at the i mean this morning it was just one announcement after another from a country saying we're banning travel from South Africa, we're banning travel. I mean, given the importance of tourism to the South African economy, that is a major issue for it.
2: We have to remember South Africa tests a lot as well. It's, yes. And so right now, there's no doubt that it's being quite penalised. too. It's being honest, as it should be. Yeah. But if they weren't doing any testing, there wouldn't be any sort of bans in South Africa right
0: exactly. now. Exactly. So, so I think you've got to have some you know, WHO coordinated action to incentivize this kind of good behaviour that you're seeing from South Africa because South Africa are doing the world a favour by A, testing so much, B, sequencing so much and C, being so open about what they're finding. And, I mean, you've got to make sure that countries don't suffer for doing that, that they get support rather than just being hit with travel bans and the like.
1: And Fraser, the thing that a lot of people worry about even more than the NHS is whether they are going to get a normal-ish Christmas this year. So, do you think we're heading for another Christmas lockdown potentially at the last minute with uh, people with large turkeys and no one to feed them well, to?
2: <laughs> well, it it is funny that I was um, I met Sasha Javid, the health secretary, uh, fairly recently, and he was quite confident about avoiding another lockdown simply because our own COVID trajectory is so encouraging. The cases are still less than a, a third of what they were. In January, and yes, the NHS is having a little bit of a meltdown right now. It takes, for example, twenty minutes to answer a one-one-one call in North Yorkshire, where this where this is supposed to be twenty seconds. But that's due to to the NHS's own problems. It's not due to COVID. But I think what we need to worry about is a sense of panic internationally. For example, you can see that there's a lot of things you can do just to be safe. Like we're banning travel to South Africa just to be safe. Now let's say um, this virus turns up in Israel. Do we ban travel to Israel? We don't know yet. Say it turns up in the Canary Islands. Would you ban travel to the Canary just to be safe? You might do. You can easily see circumstances if it's Um, variant travels internationally but not Britain, then we're told that we can't go on Christmas holidays just to be safe. So I think those kind of things are a lot more likely than a national lockdown. We now know that the huge side effects that lockdowns impose on society and indeed on public health. So I think that would be a button that the government would wait until to press until the very last moment. But there are a lot of things that you can do meanwhile, mainly travel bans and and other similar things. I mean right now if you look across Europe you can see sort of there's no Bavarian Christmas markets for example um Austria is in lockdown. You can see a wave of restrictions sweeping the continent and it's quite natural to think that it won't be long before that wave hits Britain in some form or another. In Sasha Javid, we've got um, somebody who's more pro-liberty than pro-lockdown, but he lost no time at all in banning flights to South Africa. I think Britain was one of the first countries to do that. From what I gather, the Public Health England, or the National Biosecurity Agency, whatever they're called now, haven't lost much time in making estimates in how much this new variant might cut through the the vaccine efficacy. So I think we're very quick to respond in Britain, like South Africa. As a result of that, there might be a few more restrictions linked to this. So I think if you have made Christmas travel plans, it's probably wise to be a little bit nervous and to start thinking what the um, deposit return might be on those plans.
1: Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening, and thank you in advance for subscribing to The Evening Blend, which is my daily roundup uh, by email of all the day's political developments, along with an analysis and what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to The Spectator in our flash sale, and you'll get 12 weeks of the magazine in print and online for just £12. Not only that, but we'll also send you a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label Scotch Whiskey absolutely free. Hurry though, as this offer ends on Monday. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash sale.